movies by minutes. Project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no job. By Lawrence Haskin, who wrote the show. Let's settle up now, please. Cause here we go. All right, we start 94. 94. 94. Howdy and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Tierney Steele. And I'm Megan Coleman. And we're the MASH Minute! MASH Minute! <laughs> Which I still tweet from our Twitter quite often because now there is a MASH Out of Context account. And I keep finding really funny ones that I like. Is there really? How did I know about this? I mean, I've sent things to you. Did I just not realize that's where they were from? Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm going to pretend we're all <laughs> both very on top of things and definitely pay attention to stupid Twitter memes that we send each other. And I'm going to tell the listeners about Minute 94 of Silverado, which starts with the kidnappers taking off away from their destruction. And it ends with the mom telling everyone, they took the boy. My summary for this minute was, yeah, sure, dramatic fire, but let's discuss Jeff Goldblum. So. Ah, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. What's up? Jeff Goldblum has appeared in our Movies by Minutes uh, group projects. Quite a lot more than I was expecting. I know, right? I mean, he wasn't in North by Northwest, but, uh... (laughs) That would have been really awkward. (laughs) Let's not give people reboot ideas that we don't actually want to see. I was just going to say, I can't imagine him... Wait a minute. No. being cast in a remake at all. Unless he is the older guy. Why am I blanking on his name? They're not... The CIA guy. The one reading the the newspaper. The professor. The professor. Can't you picture Jeff Goldblum as the professor? Okay, maybe it's the professor, but like anything <laughs> else. Yeah, no, Jeff Goldblum, no, he does not get to be Cary Grant in North by Northwest. No. But the professor, I I can see it. I'm hearing it in my brain. I'm running some lines in the I Goldblum delivery. I it's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and maybe that's just because of the gifts I just recently sent you. Jeff Goldblum Jeff leaning annoyed against a car after having honked it, ruining the moment. <laughs> okay, you crazy kids, we gotta go. <laughs> I, I had a few. Before we talk about Jeff Goldblum in this movie, I just wanted to give a shout out to Five Minutes of Bonsai, which is a movies by minute podcast about the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. A oh. film starring one Mr. Jeff Goldblum. The other thing that caught my eye when I was looking at his biography is that he had his kids at age 62 and 64. Oh, that's right. Megan, reading that made me so tired. Yeah. I mean, I understand that his wife is younger than, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Men can do this. Read the Bible. But, uh, (laughs) they're like 90 years old. Like, yeah, sure. Let's have another one. Yeah, sure. I'm going to pop out 10 kids. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But, but having, but, but being a parent, (sighs) being a parent. exhausting. Anyone who has listened to our podcast knows. It is a tiresome place to be in your life. It is wonderful, but it is exhausting. The idea of doing that in my 60s made me need to take a nap. Yes. I mean, good for you. I hope they're doing well, Jeff. I hope you're alive. (laughs) 
I mean, they, they, they seem happy. I will say Jeff Goldblum seems like he's having the time of his life. And good on him. Given, given that this is a person who was in Nashville. Nashville was a long time ago, Megan. <laughs> We've discussed that movie before and it was a long time ago. But he just seems like he's having a delightful time. I have seen The World According to Jeff Goldblum. I believe that's the t- name of it. I haven't watched it regularly because I have a child and I'm tired all the time <laughs> and I yes. fall asleep. But yeah, he just seems like he's just a delightful person when you're like reading about him and seeing quotes about his career and everything. So that was fun, especially since the first role that I'm like, oh, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, the actor Jeff Goldblum was as Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park when I hated him. But that was his job. He did an excellent job of it. Oh, no, that's true. Yes. But then shortly after, Jeff Goldblum was in in Independence Day, and I loved him. And so to me, Independence Day is Jeff Goldblum's breakout role. And I know everyone older than me just, like, turned off the podcast in disgust. (laughs) So I, I always think of him in the big chill, because my parents, for whatever reason, had both soundtracks. Mm. And they listened to them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so even though I didn't see the movie till I was probably in high school, I'm going to guess, like later in high school, I just remember seeing him on, I don't remember if it was the Big Chill soundtrack or more songs from the Big Chill soundtrack. Hang on. Because <laughs> there's there's two. Ah, no, my chords are tangled up. I, I have the Big Chill vinyl, but I can't, I can't yeah, reach it. At some point they redid it to... Like, oh, okay. you know, like well, in the this, 90s or this something. This one was like... 25 cents in Cambridge, so I'm guessing it's... <laughs> See, hold on, now I have to check. Is it... It wasn't okay. 25 cents. It would have been a dollar. So the one I think of... Okay, so this is the one I think of. So my parents must have... Or my hunch is that they had it on LP and then they bought it on cassette. Mm-hmm. Because when I was learning how to drive and then when I got my license and I could take my grandfather's 87 or 89 Bugle Saber with the cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah! It usually had, I would take out my dad's Almond Brothers because I, they're not a bad band, but you can only listen to Almond Brothers so much in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> and I would usually replace it with Big Chill. My heart. Or no doubt. It was one or the other. I know that's a big switch there. <laughs> and yet all three things that you just mentioned, I adore and have copies of in various <laughs> formats in my house. I don't have any cassettes of the Almond Brothers, the Big Chill soundtrack or no doubt. No, well. No, I think I still have my parents' Big Chill, even though I don't have a cassette player that currently works. But. That's the thing. I think I had Tragic Kingdom on cassette, and that was actually one of the first like albums that I bought for m- myself with my uh, like went to Nobody Beats oh, the Winds really? and bought my cassette uh, that I wanted of music I wanted to listen to, and so I had Tragic Kingdom for years, but um. Because I had it for years, the box was broken, and at some point I got rid of it, and I've been mad at myself ever since. <laughs> I still have mine. <laughs> I still have it on cassette. I have my Empire Records soundtrack, a mixtape that my best friend made me when I got my driver's license, or for Christmas after I got my driver's license, so it's a few months later. I still have a Genesis tape that, with no son of mine on it. I can't remember th- which one it is. And, and anyone, even the people who like Genesis make fun of it. But I'm like, you don't understand how many times I listened to it in my purple Sony Walkman. And therefore, I can't get rid of it. Oh, and the Little Mermaid soundtrack on cassette. Because it was the 90s. <laughs> it was 1992. And this is what I had. <laughs> Another mixed cassette that one side is Doobie Brothers and the other side is James Taylor. Oh. Yeah. Good times. So 
We are far afield. Although, well, we don't see Costner. I guess he's on the horse. I guess he's on the horse. There is our music connection, Shrug, because uh, I'm guessing that Jeff Goldblum's band, in which he plays piano, does not. Although, piano, James Taylor, we're back. We're kind of back, right? <laughs> We're kind of back. We're back with uh, Jeff Goldblum sitting around the poker table. Looking quite dapper, I think. I mean, the suit doesn't really fit him well, but, you know, considering the 80s, that was maybe the look of them well, trying to recreate. It's the 1980s trying to create recreate the 1880s. I think that's my problem. Everyone around him is dressed to period detail nines, and I see that tie against that shirt, and I'm just like, it's the 80s. Maybe it's, it's the early 80s. 90s, but it's the 80s. Like that tie, no, just that tie did not exist in the real Silverado. <laughs> there's where there's way too much shoulder pad going on too. I think mm. like it makes him look. Bro- I don't think of Jeff Bodrum being that. I think it was kind of a skinny guy, like like tall and skinny, and that jacket just makes him look not like big heavy, but like mm. just like brought more broader shoulders than I think he actually has. You know, it's like they're trying to fool us with those sideburns and it's only drawing more <laughs> attention to the fact that he looks like a tra- like he looks yes, like someone from the 80s it it, right. <laughs> who time traveled back to Silverado, whereas everyone else in the scene looks like they actually are. You know, it, it's just it's that disconnect. If everyone in the movie looked like it was 1985, I wouldn't have the problem with it that it he just but he's supposed to kind of stand out from them i think but he's got this big old knife which is very like western saloon poker thing i guess i'm just very confused by the slick character in this movie because he's the out-of-towner the city boy right but he but he's a devious bad guy guy thing yeah he's not so it's wait jeff people know who he is at this point right like he's it's not like Costner, where this is like what kind of his big first film. No, right? Big Chill was his huge breakout, huge and he had right. already been a steal in the scene guy. And well, uh, Annie Hall was oh, the one that kept right. coming up okay. as like you know he he right, stole the right. show with like a line, and then he'd been in Nashville, he'd been in a couple other things, and then Big Chill was like. He is a recognizable guy who's the star. One, well, it's I mean, it's an ensemble Jeff, cast. You know Jeff, right. you know Jeff Goldblum, that guy from Big Chill. So yeah, I don't know. It, it almost felt like I don't know if somebody else had played hit like this character instead of Jeff. If like, or if they were just playing off of, if, if it would have felt the same way, like if they were just sort of being like, we need some bigger names besides mm. Kevin. Well, I think Klein, if, not Coster. If, but, if you the know. slick character had been played by an unknown tough guy i would understand that character and if he was played by a not not effeminate but but if they were playing up the like oh he's from the city oh he's not one of us here oh he's new to Mm -hmm. silverado right i would understand that character but it it did kind of feel to me like they were trying to have it both ways i don't know maybe other people totally think i'm crazy as i'm saying this but that was kind of my thing of like depending on how they needed his character to play for a scene it it kind of changed, I think. And maybe that's because it's being played by a very recognizable actor. You know, mm. it, if if it was an unknown, maybe I would have just let it roll off my back and not really noticed it as much. But the fact that it is Jeff Goldblum, who's so 
so wrecking every role he's in. Yes. And he's been very good in many different roles. I'm not saying that he's like a one-note actor, but he's very always recognizably Jeff Goldblum. Yes. He does not disappear into the character. No. No. Which I guess you could argue Costner's like that a little bit too, but. Yeah. I think maybe that's, maybe that's what's throwing me off. I don't know. Like, but. it's like, it's like, you know, he's, you know, X character, but at the same time you're like, but it's Jeff, but it's Kevin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as if like, you know them from, cause you went to high school with them and you're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but, but like we clearly didn't cause you know. The, uh, I love how he and Ray just make the most awkward couple when everyone gets up and runs. <laughs> they just sit there. I know everyone else is like, what's going? He's like, um, what's happening? But you're just like. What? Well, so before everyone runs out, we very clearly get her taking the knife from his boot, which, okay, I do have to say, I really liked and appreciated that the knife had its own little pocket on the outside of the boot. Yes. Makes it much easier to steal. (laughs) Well, and all my life I've been reading about like, oh, a knife in his boot. And it always felt like that seems very unsafe. And then I saw this and I'm like, it has its own little pocket sheath. This is amazing. Like, that's... I. I, I don't know if that's you just me not, not knowing. You might stab yourself while you're walking. That's so, <laughs> like, that's so smarter than what I've been mentally picturing as I read books exactly. in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, and then when she takes it, it's like, it's like he doesn't seem to notice at all. Oh, no, I think he absolutely notices. At first, it seems like he doesn't. And then when they're alone, he sort of, I don't know, he has this, there's this part where, like, I can't find it, of course, I'm looking for it, but like. He, there's like this focus on the two of them and he almost like side eyes her like oh even when she takes it out before everyone leaves he like kind of tips his head and that's like the like i feel what you're doing and it and it's a i feel what you're doing that anyone else around the table would read as like <laughs> lucky jeff but uh right. but but to her it's a you know what are you doing well you know that she's all like i'm just gonna like sit here and like ape my neck yeah then they're like the odd ducks out because everyone leaves and they're just like but i love i i will say for all that i just maligned his character i love the little touch of him looking at everyone else's cards (laughs) (laughs) after they leave which reminded me of a very quick family story one of my favorites which is that my grandmother uh there were many take no prisoners women in my family very strong women women who you know uh mesa mesa or ma'am it was mesa had four sons and someone came knocking on the door and they said your four sons have been stealing the apples out of my orchard and i know it was them because the youngest one has bright red hair and i saw him and it was it was your boys and she says it was not my boys have been home all day how dare you impugn my boys like that you'd think he's the only red-headed kid in norwalk this is ridiculous it could have been anybody and she shoot him out the door before he could smell that she was baking apple pie this is the same woman who years later was playing cards with my grandmother who was a little tot this would have been during world war ii so she would have been around eight years old and she said "Mesa, you're you're cheating and mesa drew herself up to her full height which was only like five feet and she said i am not cheating I am teaching you to be careful. <laughs> now, the message that you want to give eight-year-olds, maybe not, but it it went down in history. And for many, many generations, we've enjoyed that. I am not cheating. I'm teaching you to be careful. <laughs> Seeing him check out the cards did my heart a lot of good. <laughs> and then it cuts to the scene uh, where in my notes I wrote, Klein rescues Mama Costner and Aww. brings her to a woman. Yeah, basically. 
Yep. Brings her to a woman with the coziest looking robe and George Lucas. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, I wasn't thinking George. Oh, no, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Especially, we see him tomorrow from the front, and he doesn't look as much like George Lucas. But no, from the side, maybe, maybe that's why I didn't think that. But I was like, "Oh man, this side view!" I was like, "If he turns around and asks for real two dialogue too, I will one hundred percent believe it." <laughs> and how appropriate that it's minute ninety four. Shout out to Star Wars minute. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the, and then she says, "The boys must be upstairs," and the mom's like, "No, they took him." <laughs> With her, with her bright red fake blood. Yeah, it looks a little too, uh... I mean, I know she got knocked around, but it's... Well, for somebody who got knocked around, I'm kind of glad it's not worse, but... That's true, know? that's true. You know, and that, she, and, that, and that she's functioning, she can even, you know, even though she's kind of obviously trying to not... Yeah. She's not really functioning too well. Uh, she can at least get the words out, you know, she's breathing. Yes. And she gives them good information, because God forbid someone had run back in looking for him. Right. So this puts this plot even more into question because i refer to them as the kidnappers and they absolutely did not mean to well no because they kidnapped so they took his family hostage right gagged them as a trap for kevin costner who they captured and were taking with them okay i'm gonna kidnap her forks for me but in the house they then set fire to the house the man attacks them so they shoot him the woman attacks them, they knock her against the wall, and the boy sees them, so they take the boy, boy, leaving the mom and dad for dead in the fire, I'm guessing? Yes. So now you have Costner and Augie? Yes. Okay. So wait, so if the boy- okay, wait, 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 so if, wait, if, say the boy hadn't seen them, like, I don't know. What were just- they going to do? To do? Like, would they just have let him just stay there and hope that, like, he perished in the fire? Or, you know, what if he could have dragged his, you know, parents out that, Why you did know, they only he wouldn't have been able to say, like, who it is? Again, though, again, it is a small enough town, and you are burning the land office. I feel like people would have figured it out pretty quick. I don't mean to encourage murder, because this would have been an incredibly sad movie if they had, but they really should have just shot the family before Costner even got home? If this was their plan? Right, or if they wanted to really torture Costner, like shoot what was them their in original front of him. Plan for these people, <laughs> Tierney, Tierney, did they, did they, did they have a plan? I don't want to sound like men don't know what they're doing, but like this sounds like a case of like <laughs> men do not plan this out. They were like, we'd be doing some bleeping, right? You like, and I, I would have had a color coded spreadsheet of what everyone was going to do at each point. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like, they all, all these men had refrigerator blindness when it came to this plan. They all assumed someone else knew what was happening. It also seems like the burning of the registers is a, is a idea that occurs to him in the moment. Yes. Like, like he sees the registers and is like, hey, I could set those on fire and that'd be cool. Or like, hey, you're gay. Like, yeah. Were they just going to kidnap Costner and then like leave these people and eventually they'd be found and untied? So, and they haven't yeah, seen their so here, faces, so it's fine? Here's my so new working theory that I just came up with. They all had, the baddies all had this, like, meeting. <laughs> and in the meeting, they came, they were brainstorming their various, like, what we could do to cause bleep to happen. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, oh, we could just burn the place down. And one of them's like, nah, we could just, like, hold them hostage until we get, like, Costner. And then, you know, 
Like, we'll get him and we'll just take him off. And, and then we don't and, care what happens to them. And then we don't really care what happened. But then someone might have thought, like, well, but then they know it's us because they would have seen us. And someone's like, well, we'll just shoot them. And then they go off with no plan. And they're all having <laughs> this in their head. And so the guy who had the... So they do throw, all of it. <laughs> right. So then they end up kind of doing all of it. And none of it really well. Because, again, they didn't have a plan. <laughs> And while we don't really see this in the movie, I'd like to think that they, when they go back to HQ or wherever the heck they end up reconvening, somebody back there is going, wait, but you did what? What did you wait, do? What did you do? Wait, but wait, and like, who's this kid? And like, we don't have the food for him. Like, I didn't plan on him showing up to the raid, you know, and just like... <laughs> And you know there's some poor chick they've hired to, like, cook and clean for him who's in the background just being, like, hitting her head and shaking it and just being like, you're all idiots. <laughs> Shout out to what's-her-name and Butch Cassidy in the Sundance. Oh, yes! <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm... Like, do you hear yourselves right now? Why are do we you in hear Bolivia? Right now? <laughs> and you wonder why... <laughs> You can't seem to t- take an evil plot and run with it. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, yeah, that's boy. my new working theory. All right. I like it. There was no plan. Just a fake, fake ideas. The improvisation did not go well. <laughs> and yet, at the end of this minute, it seems to have gone perfectly for them. Right. I know. At this point, it seems like they got away with... Got, got away with it? Off they, they go. They got away with murder. They got away with burning the place down. They... Got away with a kidnapping? They uh, Again, uh, what? Everyone else in town's too distracted to put out the fire and save their own places that they're not going to go running after anybody, no, right? No. So they get a good head start. I'm so confused. Kevin Klein's going to save the day. It's going to be okay. <laughs> he really is. Look at this. He's like... Action star Kevin Klein all of a action. sudden. Oh, yes. We're not dedicating a day to Kevin Klein, but I would like to let the listeners know that if you have not watched the movie Dave, you really, really should. Oh, yes, it's you should watch fabulous. Dave. I also, I have not rewatched it in a million years, but I remember really enjoying In and Out, which I'm sure is incredibly dated, but was Wait, very In-N-Out? delightful. In and Out is the one where Joan Cusack wearing a wedding dress runs out of the bar and screams, is everybody gay which <laughs> is a very useful quote to have in your back pocket midwestern teacher questions his sexuality after a former student makes a comment about him at the academy so basically this former student is an actor who wins an academy award and assumed he was gay all those years and he's like what are you talking about i'm not gay but then maybe he is question mark directed by frank oz interesting again i have not watched it in over a decade I don't well, know. I'm going to add but to my watch list because it's got Debbie Reynolds in it. I love her. It was delightful. And, and, you know, I recently saw someone saying like, oh, well, the birdcage is so well known, but it's so dated and it doesn't hold up. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Don't you speak. <laughs> do not you speak? speak ill of the birdcage in my presence. Don't Madam. You do it. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Anyway. And may I also point out, he's also in the big chill with Jeff, so. Yes, yes. Bringing it back around. Thank you. <laughs> Good podcasting. It's also a movie I haven't seen in years, so I can't tell you if the big chill holds up or everyone's like, oh, it's like 
80s craziness, you know. So it does hold up because the actors are so amazing. It's like such a great cast. It's It's very much a time capsule. But as long as you're like, oh yeah, it's 1983, it's wonderful. And and um, why can't I think of her name? Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Oh my god, is she good? I watched it for the first time in my 30s, I think, <laughs> or or oh, like really late 20s, than I did. really late 20s or th- early 30s, and um. I immediately started rewriting it in my head to be about our generation. So it would be all the 90s music and like what 90s song works best when you're loading the dishwasher with all your friends <laughs> instead of instead of them running a, a shoe company. It's um that he ran marathons and has a blog that has gone famous and the Jeff Goldblum character writes for BuzzFeed. Oh, yeah. Like, I came up with what are all the equivalencies for these characters if it was, you know, like, the early, the 2010s, and they had gone to college (laughs) in the aughts, (laughs) and the late 90s, and aughts. I had it all worked out, Megan. I seriously had it all worked out and, like, quasi-cast in my brain. (laughs) Okay, so, so if Jeff goes to work for, writes for BuzzFeed, does that mean he then has a YouTube channel about how he had to leave BuzzFeed? I think it was too early. Because that seems to be the current BuzzFeed projectory, is that they get famous because they write at BuzzFeed, then they do some videos for BuzzFeed, they do, like, they write as, like, high or whatever, and then they come out, they, like, you don't see him for, like, three months, and then they come up with a video on YouTube being like, I left BuzzFeed, and here's why. And let me tell you how much BuzzFeed sucks. And then they start their own channel, and their, or their own blog, or whatever. Remember earlier we said if girls were planning this, we would have had a color-coded spreadsheet? Oh, I yes. am sitting at my desk, and I have file folders for all of the projects I have worked on enough to amass notes, and I have one, and the tab says, Modern Chill. So we've got names. We've got Jessica, Jennifer, Ashley, Amanda, Nicholas, Christopher, Michael, Matthew, and Jason. Chloe equals Kira. Karen Bowen equals Caitlin Verso. Meg Jones equals Jen Mahoney. Sarah Cooper equals Ashley Callahan. Harold Cooper equals Jason Callahan. Nick Carlson equals Nick Morrill. Michael Gold equals Mike Shea. Sam Weber equals Matt Porter. Alex Marshall equals Chris Sheenan. See, oh, here's a list of songs. Aliens Exist, Blink-182, 1979 Smashing Pumpkins, Save Tonight, Eagle Eye Cherry, Skips a Beat, The Promise Ring, The World I Know, Collective Soul, (laughs) Coffee and TV by Blur, Champagne Supernova Oasis, Counting Blue Cars, Dishwalla, Responsibility, MXPX, Colorblind, Counting Crows, Everything to Everyone Everclear, Buddy Holly Weezer, No Sleep Till Brooklyn Beastie Boys, (laughs) Beer by Real Big Fish, Kiss Me, but the A Newfound Glory version. Oh, and no doubt, different people. We brought it back around. <laughs> and of course, of course. You need like a Mariah Carey in there at, just no, to no. Like, throw everything off. <laughs> and, at, and at the funeral, Bittersweet Symphony is performed. <laughs> Harold Cooper walks dog every morning, turned wife's blog into successful brand and about to be bought out by big running company. Sarah Cooper, doctor and mother of two, eight-year-old girl away at camp and three or four-year-old son staying at parents, used to be serious runner, had affairs with Alex. Meg Jones' lawyer who had planned to work with troubled youth or do pro bono and now deals with Corp and Second Stead wants to have baby. Writer for BuzzFeed who insists on calling himself a journalist, wants to run his own microbrewery instead, chronic flirt. Those were the notes I had for <laughs> the Jeff Goldblum character. Who would play him? 
Did you did you come up with the casting? No, too, I I had people. We were gonna make it ourselves. Me and my friends. We were gonna rent a oh, house, okay. and because none of us can afford a house, that also played into it. That it's like, oh my god, they have a house. They're rich, and then they're they have <laughs> uh they have an apartment in the city that they used to, that uh was where Alex was. All right, Chloe, Alex's girlfriend of four months, much younger than the others, not doing much of anything, practices yoga instead of uh the aerobic stretching. Yeah. Uh, Nick Carlton, part of the minimalism movement, blogs, podcasts, etc. Uh, only he really thinks it's BS and wants to Roman do drugs. Comma served in Afghanistan and Iraq was my note for that. Okay. Uh, Sam Weber, a writer slash comic slash actor who has his own self titled sitcom, has a kitty hardly sees from a previous marriage. So yeah, I had I had a whole you had a whole thing planned. I had out. a whole thing. It got it's got its own file folder. So I was taking it seriously at one point. <laughs> Anyway, this is very long, and I don't even know if this is going to be in the podcast episode. <laughs> Spoilers for the big chill, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I tried to mumble those parts, but... <laughs> well, if you see the big chill, the affair's not that shocking, I think. But... No, but do we think that kid is Kevin Klein's or Alex's? Oh. I never actually thought about that. Someone was thinking about it, the, the timing of what had happened and perhaps that was what pushed it oh, i don't know yes i don't know well you know kevin costner apparently got cut from bill chill so you know well yes you see his body technically it's oh, a thing yeah. you don't know it's him though unless you're looking for him i guess but... this is not the big chill minute despite jim <laughs> no, o'kane's <sorry>, uh <laughs> psych out when he announced this project instead you've been listening to the silverado podcast which can be found on apple Podcasts, spotify and google play or at the main site silveradominute.com you can also find the social media for the podcast where the midnight star the silverado minute listener salute on facebook and at silverado mxm on twitter if you've enjoyed <laughs> this episode please return tomorrow for another episode of the silverado minute yee-haw, yee-haw.